God. And then the last five really focused in on what we believe about how we relate to one another. And so we went through those 10 core beliefs. And if we, if we are going to be like Jesus, then we really need to be thinking like Jesus. And so these beliefs are core to who Jesus is and core to us as followers of him. We then went through and are in the process of going through 10 core practices. And so we've gone through seven of these, and, or we're going through the seventh today. And the first five focus on practices that help us vertically with our relationship with God. And then the other five are focusing on practices that we could have on how we relate to one another. So last week we started that with talking about biblical community and the importance of us having relationships with other followers of Jesus. And so it's important for us to be in those relationships, whether it's something like a life group or a Sunday morning class or some sort of other accountability group or something where you're building intentional relationships with one another for the purpose of growing in Christ. And so today we're taking a look at spiritual gifts, the things that God gives us to be able to achieve his purposes. For, for those of you who are perfectionists in the room, uh, I want you to complete this phrase for me, all right? Be prepared. You're already on it because you're taking notes. All right. If you want to get something done right, do it yourself. Right. How many of you live by this philosophy? Oh, you're not supposed to raise your hands. That's not a good... <laughs> yes. Yes, very much me, unfortunately. We, we were very eager to raise our hands, but it, it's not always a great thing, right? If you're going to do something right, you've got to do it yourself. You know what? God does not have this philosophy. He does not share this with us. Interestingly enough, God who is perfect and doesn't need to worry about being a perfectionist, God doesn't say, if I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself. God says, if I want to do it, I'm going to give it to my church to do it. You see, he is the best delegator there is. And I want to ask God and say, really? Is, is that the best plan for humanity? Like, you want the church to do this? You have this incredible mission, and you're going to delegate it away. Instead of doing it yourself perfectly, you're going to delegate that authority and that power and that responsibility to the people of your church? Have you seen how screwed up they are? And so this is what God calls us to do. God, in his perfection, says doing it by yourself is not an option. Even in his act of creation, he's not by himself. We've talked about our belief about the, the Trinity and how Father and Son and Spirit all come together to form the creation. And so if God is not in this place where he thinks he can do it by himself, why on earth would we do it ourselves? Now, this isn't a sermon about perfectionism. It's more confessional time to think about how I operate and the things that I depend on and the things that I want control over. 
But as we get to our topic for today, we're thinking about how Jesus is calling us into this place where if we want to follow him, we've got to be obedient to what he calls us into. He's calling us into this mission, into this ministry, and we are to continue the work that God has started with Jesus. He doesn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control it all, I'm going to run it all. No, he calls us into the work, into the mission. It says in John 14, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will sit on pews and do nothing. No, he who, who, he, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And what works is Jesus doing? What command does he call us into? Calling us into loving God and loving others. He said, says, you will continue this work. And they will do even greater things than me. Now, there's this leadership philosophy that says, if somebody can do it 80% as good as you, then you need to delegate it to them and be okay with the 80%. No, Jesus says quite the opposite. I am going to give this work, I'm going to give this mission to the church, and it will be even greater than what I have done. That As we look at the mission of what God has called us into, he says, greater things will be done through my followers. Not less than, not 80% of, but greater things will be done. So as Christ followers, we have a job to do. We have a mission that we're being called into, and it isn't for just those of us who are called into full-time ministry. As followers of Jesus, we are called into following him into this mission. That each and every one of us, if we have confessed Christ as our Savior, if, if we have confessed faith in him that he calls us into a place to continue the works that he started to continue in the things that he did in a greater way than what he even did and that is the call on each and every one of our lives as believers and so even though god gives us this incredible responsibility Thankfully, he doesn't leave us under-resourced. He provides for us all the things that we need, all the authority, all the power, all the gifts of the Spirit that we need to be able to do the work that he has called us into. He deposits into his people this gift, the skills, the things that are needed to accomplish his mission and so I believe very strongly that when God gathers a people together like this, that every need that there is can be met by the resources and the people in the room. That whatever God wants us to do as a church, he has given us all of the gifts that we need to do that. He has given us all the people resources. He's given us all the financial resources. He has given us all the spiritual gifts to do what he wants us to do right here and now. And so as we think about this, 
we have to ask ourselves the question, what gifts and skills has God given me to serve? What gifts has he given to me to serve others? As followers of Jesus, we need to be asking this question. God, what have you given me? Some of you absolutely know very quickly, you know the gifts that God has given you. Others are too busy to even ask the question. Others are too discouraged and and too down on themselves to even see the great things God has gifted you with. And so we ask the question, God, how have you gifted me? I want to read a little bit of a story uh, from Randy Frazee to kind of get our mind around this. Imagine driving down the freeway. In front of your vehicle is a pickup truck with a family of five inside. In the back of the truck are a number of cages filled with chickens. The truck suddenly begins to swerve out of control, runs off the road into a ditch, and flips over. The cages fly out the back and break open, and all the chickens are released. You, along with a number of others, immediately pull off onto the shoulder to help. Now think about your first response and what you do next. Are you the person who would immediately take charge? One would announce to everyone, I've got this figured out, people. Just leave it to me and listen up. You begin delegating responsibilities, giving orders as bystanders spring into action. Or are you the person who would begin to organize and oversee the details? After hearing the orders of the leader, you start implementing the plan. You divide people into groups and distribute out the equipment. And someone is directing traffic and some assist the victims and some are taking care of wrangling the chickens. You then make sure that those groups have the necessary tools to get the job done. Are you the person who would focus completely on the needs of the people? Forget the truck, forget the chickens, those can wait. You go straight to the five people in the vehicle to offer them assistance. Put them at ease, care for them until the paramedics arrive. A sense of mercy for the victims is your primary focus. Or are you the person who quickly realizes this effort is going to take a while? And so the rescue team is going to need food and water, and so you take off to grab some supplies. You're laughing, Kathy. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Your need to be hospitable to those who are sacrificing time and energy calls you to service. Or are you the person who would begin to ask the people around the accident what everyone might learn from the unfortunate situation? What could have been done to avoid the loss of control? What can, how can this be prevented in the future? What steps should be taken by the highway department to, ta- to, to avoid another accident at this location? You desire to, ca- to gather the intel to teach others to avoid such an accident in the future. Or are you the person who simply walks up and asks, Hey, how can I help? Put me to work. Whatever you, do, uh, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Then you stay and do the dirty work until the victims have been taken to the hospital and every chicken has been recaged. Before you leave, you even pick up the debris from the accident um, after the truck driver hauls the vehicle away, the tow truck driver. And so do you see the different gifts to these? 
Did you see yourself in one of those, at least one of those? Who saw themselves in one of those? All right, at least one of those really resonates with you, and that kind of indicates maybe what your gift is. One, some, for some of you, it stood out very clearly which person you would have been in that. Maybe there's a couple different ones that you would have been. But it, it begins to show us, one, the importance of the group working together. All of those things are needed at some point. And it helps us see where we are at and what kind of gift God might have placed in us for times like this. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, and spend some time there looking at spiritual gifts. And I want to pull out for us four principles that we, we need to walk away with, four things to get us thinking about spiritual gifts. So let's read Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, so let's just pause there for a moment. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So our first point here, our first thing to pull out and think about is collectively, our identity and mission is to extend the presence of Jesus on earth. Collectively, we have a mission. Collectively, as one body, as a whole, we have an identity, we have a mission to extend the presence of Jesus. And so we have a responsibility. We're gathered together for a reason. We have become part of the body of Christ. Now think about how a body operates. A body operates in a unified manner. Where that body is moving as a whole from one place to another, doing one activity after another, completely unified, working together. That's the metaphor for the church. That we would be so unified, that we would be so on purpose and on mission together that we're moving as one single unit. We don't have one jumping over here and one jumping over there and one jumping over there. You know, my, my hand didn't decide to stay home this morning because it was sleepy you know, it's like all of my organs are still here. One isn't on break somewhere else. <laughs> they all have to stay in here, right? And they all have to work together. And let's continue the metaphor a little bit. They all have to like working together too, right? What kind of medical conditions happen when one organ hates another organ? There, there, there are these disorders where the body is not functioning together and, and one organ starts rejecting another organ or one set of cells starts rejecting another set of cells. All the parts of the body have to love one another. They have to like being in the same body together. They can't choose to leave. So we're the body of Christ, formed together 
for one purpose, one mission. Paul continues to give this analogy in several different places. He, he talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about the feet and the eyes and talks about one body part wanting to be like another body part and thinking one is more important than the other. No, they're all important. Even the smallest of glands can make a huge impact on the life of the body. Another thing we see here is we, to achieve the mission of Christ, we must work together. So yes, as the body of Christ, we're called into a mission. If we're going to achieve that mission, we have to work together. And so with that comes a requirement of humility. Because we have to say, hey, your gifts are just as important as my gifts. And what you bring is just as, what, is just as important as what they bring. And maybe I bring this thing, but that's not the most important thing. There's that gland over there that's really making everybody grumpy. And so that gland is just as important and so we have these different parts. We all have to come together. Verse six, says, verse 6 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. These gifts are a grace. God gives them to us, not because we earned them, not because we went to enough school, not because we're qualified, not because we have the right IQ. We're given them by the grace of God. Now, I want to go one step further and talk a little bit about these gifts that were given. I had a conversation with somebody on Wednesday. We were talking some about the, the pregnancy uh, that, that we're going through and, and just the, the difficult situations that life throws at us. And this person was talking about some of their own difficult, very, very difficult, that makes most of our lives just sound super easy compared to some of the stuff this person has had to go through. And we talked about how sometimes the situations that we go through can also become gifts of grace. That we have, these, we, we have these talents, we have these gifts, but we each have these unique experiences as well. You experience loss, you experience death, you experience a job situation, you experience really difficult children, you experience all these different things, and it now becomes, I'm not saying God gave you that situation, but I am saying that God is giving you an opportunity to use that situation as a gift of grace to others. And so as a body, we bring together all of our experiences, we bring together all of our hurts, we bring together all of our victories, we bring together all of our personalities into one body. And we work together to achieve the mission of Christ. So think about what is the gift that God has given you? this becomes our third principle. God has given you a gift, and that's all you. God has given you a gift. What is that gift that he has given you? God, in, in his wisdom, in his 
mysterious way of operating grants us each of these gifts. He gives us the abilities to accomplish certain things. He, he gives us ways of doing certain things. He gives us ways of acting and ways of, of performing in certain environments. I believe that God is, is divinely bringing together the right people for the right jobs at the right time. It's just a matter of discovering what those gifts are. And like I said earlier, I believe all that we need is within this body for what God wants us to do today. And so what gift has God given you to participate in that mission? I think some of us hide those gifts. Some of us avoid those gifts. Some of us are really uncomfortable by our gifts. So what are the gifts that God's given to you? I believe you're in this time and in this place and even in this room today because God has something he wants you to do for the sake of showing his love to the world. Acts chapter 17 says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. So Acts tells us that God has appointed us to, to a certain time, to a certain place, to a certain, a certain spot in history. He has put us here for a purpose, and he has given us, he has gifted us the grace that we need to do everything that he's called us into. That he calls us into a mission, he calls us into a purpose, and then he resources us and equips us for that time. As we look through all of Scripture, there are a lot of spiritual gifts that show up. And we're not going to have time to go through all of the gifts. But each list that's listed in Scripture is different from the other list, which tells me that no one list is exhaustive. When Paul starts rambling on about a bunch of different gifts, he's just giving some examples. It's not a thorough list, because otherwise every list would be exactly the same as every other list, and they're not. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have eight different gifts. Apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, tongues. That's all in one. But then Paul talks in 1 Corinthians, um, in verses 8 through 10, he talks about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. It talks about faith, talks about distinguishing between spirits, talks about interpretation of tongues. And then in Ephesians, he talks about the evangelist and the pastor-teacher, two totally different that he forgot on the other list. In Romans, he talks about serving and encouraging and contributing and, and leadership and mercy. Why didn't he mention those in 1 Corinthians? And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he talks about marriage and celibacy given, being listed as gifts. Interesting conversation there. 1 Peter 4.11 talks about whoever speaks which can cover lots of different gifts, and whoever renders service, which can cover a bunch of other gifts. So there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. 
So there's this long list of different gifts. There's lots of different ways to categorize them. There's lots of different ways to, to list them out and define them. And Scripture doesn't give us an exhaustive list. There's a lot of gifts. It doesn't say anywhere in here about musical abilities, which the Old Testament talks about. Paul never says anything about the artistic abilities, construction abilities. Those were all important ones that were listed in the Old Testament for building the temple calling in these artisans to do their part in building the temple. So there's a long list of things that are gifts. And these come from God for his purposes and for his mission. And so do you know what your primary spiritual gifts are? You need to know the answer to that. What has God gifted you with? Now, there's a couple different ways that you can find and discover this gift. The first is observation over time. When situations come up, when a need arises, when there's a work to be done, how do you engage in that? How do you most effectively participate in that? Think about the car accident with the, the, the truck rolling over. Which one do you naturally gravitate to? Another one is, an, another way to discern this is to ask others. They're very observant of you. People who know you well, they know the things that you're strong in. And they know the things that you're gifted in. I think of 1 Timothy chapter, five, or chapter 1, verse 5. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 5. Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first served in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So Timothy receives this gift of the Spirit, and Paul is reminding him not to be timid about his gift because there is power that comes from that gift. And this gift came from Paul laying his hands on Timothy and saying, this is what I see in you. I see this faith in your parents, in your grandparents, and now I see this faith in you. And he's affirming Timothy of this gift. Now, I think there is a big role that we can play in the lives of others to lay hands on someone and affirm their gifts. To say, this is what I see in you. For those of you that are in life groups going through our sermon-based study, we're going to spend some time doing that in our groups today. To affirm one another in the gifts that we see God giving each other to say, this is what I see God doing in you. Because oftentimes we don't see it in ourselves. The enemy comes in and tells us, no, you are worthless at that. You're not good at that. Don't even try doing that. Because the enemy knows that if you do that, you are going to excel in that in incredible ways because the Spirit of God has planted that in you. And so we need others in our lives affirming the gifts that we have because they see things in us that we've been lied to about. And so find those people, affirm in one another the gifts that they see in you. 
a little over five years ago, um, I was working at a church in Dallas, and my role in that church was using my number one spiritual gift, which was administration. And so I was working in the administration of the church. I was dealing with technology and communication, and, and I was focused on the nuts and bolts and operations of the church within this large church staff. And I went to coffee with the executive minister, and I presented to him this org chart restructuring of how the staff would operate more effectively, because I'm administrative, and I'm organized, and I like charts. And so I give him this chart, and, and my vision and my goal and my conversation with him is to restructure all of the administrative functions into one department to streamline the effectiveness of that. And since that's my training and that's my master's degree is in administration, that should be the department that I'm in charge of. And so we go through this whole thing, and he, he likes it. He said, that, that's the org chart that we're going to use. This is, this is how we're going to restructure the entire staff, except you're going to be the minister of spiritual formation. And I'm going to give the job of administration to our HR director. It's like, okay. That was not at all what I was planning on. <laughs> this is not my gifting. This is not what I'm trained in. This is not what I'm called into. You're, you're completely derailing me off into some other area. But what that did was have somebody who is incredibly important in my life speak into my life and say, I see other gifts. I see something in you that can be completely different than what you see in yourself. That you can be in ministry, not administration. And so that completely shifted my career path into a different direction that led me to even considering being a minister at a church and even preaching on a weekly basis. Because one person was observing gifts in me that I was not observing in myself. And affirmed that. And called me into that and said, this is what you need to be doing. So what gifts do you have? What gifts do you see in others? Um, on the back of your insert, your sermon note insert, if you're using that, this is last week's. On the back of this week's is not this, but on the back of it is something called the Spiritual Gifts app. There's a free app that you can download. Um, for those of you that are less tech savvy, I hand it to a younger person to figure out for you. Um, there's an app. So if you've got an Android or a, an iPhone, you can go into the App Store and search for Spiritual Gifts app or Spiritual Gifts test Look for the one that has that icon on it. There's another really weird one. If it's got like a dove on it, don't download that one because then it's going to be about like speaking in tongues and stuff that we're not talking about today. So um, we'll have that conversation another time. So for today, download this app because this is the one that you need to, to look at. It asks you 80 questions. 80 questions sounds like a lot, but it's about 8 to 10 minutes or 20 minutes if you're doing other things on other apps, um, about 8 to 10 minutes, take it for yourself. 
What are the gifts that God has given you? If you're using an iPad, make sure you're searching for the iPhone apps, not the iPad apps, because if you're looking for iPad apps, uh, you get the weird Dove one, not the, this one. So, um, so download the correct app. Now, a step two is ask somebody else to take the test for you. One, two, three people who know you well, ask them to take that test of how they see you. And then compare those results and think about, okay, are they affirming me in my gifts? Do they see something in me that I don't see in myself? Why is there a disconnect between those two things? Maybe I'm, t I'm timid or scared about certain gifts and, and don't think I have those for whatever reason. But, but have a conversation with one another about how you see these spiritual gifts working in your own life. This particular assessment measures 16 different spiritual gifts. There are some out there that do like eight, and there are some out there that do like 25, uh, but this one is focusing on 16, so it's a fairly easy test to take. And think about what is it that these gifts are. So download the app, take the test. If you're in a life group, do that this afternoon before your life group meeting. Um, if you don't have an iPhone or an Android phone, uh, find one of the many people that do um, and show them how, uh, ha have them show you how to download an app and, uh, and take that test on there. So as a way of giving you an example, I took the test, Laura took the test, we're going to share ours with you and what we see in each other. So for me, my top gifts are administration, still the top. Just because I change jobs doesn't mean your gifts change. Teaching, and then there's a tie between discernment and faith as my third. Okay, discernment and faith. So I have the ability to, to see the truth in things and see how the world and the culture and the interactions with people see the truth in those things. Laura took the evaluation for me, and she saw teaching and discernment and administration. So she sees the same things in me that I see in myself. Hers also listed knowledge as one of them, so I'll take that. She thinks I'm smart. <laughs> now, a moment of vulnerability. Oh, no, first, first, before vulnerability, let's stay positive. So Laura's self-assessment of herself. Number one, mercy. Number two, hospitality. And number three, giving. That's how she sees herself. If you know her, you see those in her as well, right? Now, I took it for her, and I saw it a little bit differently. I saw hospitality as number one, but I saw leadership as one. And so this comes into an example, and I won't dig into it too much, where what you see in yourself and what others see in you may be different, and you need others speaking into your life for that. Now, the moment of vulnerability, my lowest ones, all right? So you also need to look at your low ones and see, okay, do you see the same things in your low ones? So for me, my low one is mercy. <laughs> so <laughs> mercy I am not a very merciful person, and so good thing I have Laura as one who has lots of mercy. Um, 
So for me, you know, if, if you're in the hospital, you really don't want me to come visit you <laughs> because it's really just going to make it worse. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, God just did not grant that to me. I, it's Take it up with him. I'm sorry. So mercy is not one. Giving is also low for me. I'm not a real giving person financially. Now, I tithe as a matter of discipline, not as a matter of a gift. It's not something that I'm just compelled to, but I do it because I know I have to do it. But I'm not strong in that. That's not a gift. Um, and so those are my low ones. Um, and so, and for Laura, evangelism and wisdom, those are two that both of us are kind of low in. So between the two of us, not super evangelistic. Uh, that's low for both of us. Um, we're not very apostolic, which means we don't want to be missionaries in Africa or in any new scary place. Um, Albuquerque was as scary as we could go. <laughs> and so, and we were born and raised here. So, um, that's as far into the ends of the earth that we're planning, planning on going right now. I'm not going to say never to anything anymore. So, so anyway, so look at those gifts. Think about those gifts because these play out, right? And so, so I say this partly, your expectations of me as, as the minister of the church. Like, I don't have all 16 of these gifts, right? I mean, I'm not going to do all 16 of those well. That's not how God has gifted me. He hasn't gifted any of you. If any of you have all 16 gifts, please step up and... <laughs> I'll, I'll just hire you, and you do it, okay? But, but God, doesn't give, God doesn't gift us in all 16 areas. Now, we have weaknesses. We need to grow in those. There are things that are not my gift that I have to do no matter what, right? So how many of you have the spiritual gift of washing dishes at home? There's, a, there's some of you that that's a gift, right? How many of you wash the dishes at home? Okay, it's, you know, it's not my gift, but I don't tell Laura, you know, washing dishes really isn't my gift, <laughs> so I'm going to let somebody else do it. There are things that we have to do as the body, okay? There are things that we have to do as the body that you're not gifted in. You're called to do it anyway. It may not be a gift of yours to give, but we're called to give. It may not be a gift of yours to pray, but we're called to pray. It may not be a gift of yours to be an evangelist, but he still calls you to share the good news. And so there are things in our lives that we say, I'm not gifted at that. Stop using excuses. Your gifting is not an excuse to not do the things you don't want to do. But more importantly, know what your strengths are. And this brings us to our last point. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. That's your gift. Use it. If it's teaching, then teach. Use it. If it's to encourage, which I'm not doing now, then encourage. <laughs> it's not one of my gifts. I'm sorry. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. 
If it's your gift, use it. Use the gift God has given you to fulfill his purposes. And so what is your number one gift? What's your number two gift? What's your number three gift? Use it. Max Lucado says it this way, do the most what you do the best. So yes, we have these areas that we're weak in and we just have to do it out of discipline, but there are things that we excel in because God has given that to us. Are you being a steward of the gifts that God has given to you? Are you using what he has given you for his purposes and for his glory? Are you using your gifts to bring the body into a unified whole? Are you using your gifts to show the world that the body of Christ loves them and that God loves them? How are you using your gifts? Because when the body works the way it's supposed to work, when you see the healthy body coming together on purpose for the mission of God, you see incredible things happen. We just got through with the Olympics, and you could see certain bodies that were perfectly designed and perfectly trained for certain athletic events. And seeing the body work that way is just amazing. Whether it's in gymnastics or swimming or, or running, whatever sport you enjoy watching, you see the body operate at its full potential using the gifts that they have. Exercising those gifts and working through those gifts and using those gifts in ways that are just amazing. Our body can do that. The body of Christ is what God has chosen to bring his purposes and his mission here on earth. He chose us. Chose us. And has gifted us with everything that we need to make that happen. So today, we're all sitting here in this church service that is only existing because the body of Christ comes together to make it happen. It starts at the, the crack of dawn with Joe Jameson unlocking the door and starting the coffee, which is like the most important step one of the day. And so we've got the coffee that is made. We've got the praise team showing up at 8.30 to rehearse so that this worship service is not a disorganized mess. They're prepared and they come together and make sure that they're ready for this time together. We've got 20 people working down the hall so our kids have something that is age appropriate for them so they can hear the message and the love of God in a way that makes sense to them. And they're doing that right now while we're doing this here. We've got people who have come in early to prepare the communion trays because, you know what? Somebody has to put the juice in those little cups. And they come together and they do that. And we have teachers who are preparing for days and weeks and months to be able to teach the classes that we have. That's all so that this morning could happen. That's just this morning. We've got people in the back operating sound and slides. We've got people out in the foyer making sure 
making sure programs are handed out. We have those programs being printed days ahead of time on Thursday by Jamie in the office. We've got inserts that are prepared and stuffed in those. We've got hours of people who have, have worked to put the prayer programs together. This is all for today. Kathy has started coffee in the back and has the good creamer back there. Thank you for the good creamer. And we've got all of this coming together just so this activity this morning can happen. But the mission of God and what he's calling us into is so much bigger than what happens right here and right now at this time. And so it spreads out from even what we do on Sunday mornings, and we start looking at Wednesday nights, and we look at the, the team of people who come and show up at 3.30 on Wednesdays so that we can have dinner at 5.30. And we come and we show up and we consume that. And there's a variety of things that are happening throughout the week, through, through life groups, through the student ministry, through the children's ministry. And then there's all the other things that we're involved in outside of here with ministries like Kairos and, and a peaceful habitation and the children's home that we support and work with and the, and the student center that is taking care of, of our college students. And so we all bring our gifts and we bring them together and we come together for the mission of God. And there was a day where we thought that we had to do that so that God would love us. And as I rant and rave up here about using our gifts for the purpose of God's mission, it is not at all because if you will do more, you will be loved more. That is not the message for today. The message for today, and we'll, we'll share this through our time of communion, the message for today is God came and loved us so very much that he gifted it to us. He gifted salvation to us. He gifted eternity to us, not because of who we are, not because of what we do, not because of how many church services we help with, not because of how many people we convert, not because of the way that we use our gifts. He did it because he loves us. And because God loves us so very much, we are compelled to love him, and to love others. And that's why he gifts us the way he does, so that the world will know the way that we know that he loves them so much that he would send his son to die on a cross. That's why we do what we do. So let's be standing together. As we spend some time wrapping up here, this is a time for us to pray for one another. It's a time for us to, to encourage one another. And as we've, we've talked about uh, in, in weeks past, this is a chance for us to move across the aisles and, and go and encourage one another. Maybe this is a time for you to go affirm somebody's gift. Maybe you see an opportunity here. Use this prayer time to go encourage that person by saying, this is what I see in you. This is what I see God doing in you and through you.
It's a time for us to go and encourage one another in prayer. It's a time for us, if, if you want to come forward to one of the shepherds and, and visit with one of them and have them pray for you, it's a time for that as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, the message that you have for us. We thank you for all that you do for us and all that you do in us for the sake of others. God, I pray that you will continue to, to show us what it is that you are calling us into. God, what do you want to do through me? God, show us how you want to use us and use our gifts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.